Real quick before we start the show, Pacific Bitcoin is going to be awesome. November 10th and 11th, Santa Monica, California. Do hope to see you there. You can go to PacificBitcoin.com to buy tickets. Use promo code CAFE for a discount. In the words of Michael Saylor, it is going to be the Bitcoin event of the year. VIP gets you into everything, including the VIP party as well as the VIP rap party. Of course, GAA gets you all kinds of cool stuff as well, and there's going to be plenty of events and things to do. I hope to see you there. Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I'm your host, Alex Danzig, and we're excited to announce that we're bringing the Cafe Bitcoin conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Michael Saylor, Lynn Alden, Corey Clipston, Greg Foss, Tomer Strolight, and many others in the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode. You can join us live on Twitter Spaces Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern every morning to become part of the conversation yourself. Thanks again. We look forward to bringing you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. You know, that's definitely been my experience is that uh, people are great to chat with and meet and, um, you know, it's a great um, opportunity. So definitely encourage anyone listening. If you haven't got your tickets, make sure you check it out. Yeah, you talk about, uh, you know, having things in common. I mean, that's the, the, the best part about it is that everybody there is excited at these conferences that I've been to is that everybody's excited about Bitcoin. So even if you found the person you know, you were lucky enough to find the person that was just like the complete opposite of everything that you stand for. You're both there for Bitcoin. It's pretty amazing. All right. Well, why don't we just dive right in uh, and get started with um, Trezor announcement and the Swan slash Trezor announcement. Um, we've got Matej up here, Stepan Bach. Uh, and we have Stefan Levera, obviously, with Swan Bitcoin. Um, some exciting stuff coming up. I'm just going to hand the mic to Stefan. Stefan, you run it, man. Whatever you yeah, want to sure, do sure. here. So, yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, this is something we've spoken about um, before. Uh, but, you know, it, it's uh, finally, you know, coming to fruition now. So, it's something that we wanted to highlight for everybody out there. Um I think, yeah, it might be great if, if anyone from the uh, Trezor team uh, wants to jump in here and uh, mention how things are going on the Trezor side with uh, what's happening there. All right. Thank you for the floor. And uh, hello, everyone. So uh, I think uh, I can start because... Uh, um, I'm from Invity. I'm Stefan from Invity, the CEO. Maybe first of all, very quick introduction of Invity because uh, some of uh, the, from the audience might be confused. We are talking about the Trezor. So what's uh, Invity, the company here? Uh, just to clarify, Invity is a sister company of the Trezor, and we are responsible for the integrations into the Trezor environment. Uh, we are um, a special company because, or due to the legal reasons, but in fact, we simply uh, very closely cooperate and our goal is to enrich the Trezor hardware wallet environment. 
And that's why I'm speaking, because uh, we've been working uh, for uh, quite uh, several months uh, on the integration. And our main goal was to uh, allow our users and to every Bitcoiner and every potential Bitcoiner to start saving uh, into Bitcoin directly from the hardware wallet, because we think that this is the not only the right way how to do it, but this is uh, the most effective way uh, how to save the Bitcoins. And that's why I'm extremely glad that uh, we've been able to find the right business partner, the Swan. It wasn't easy, uh, I must admit, to find, uh, I would say, uh, the responsible company uh, who has the right philosophy behind the Bitcoin and who were uh, not only ready in terms of uh, technical solution, but also willing to uh, you know, uh, cooperate and invest the time and energy into it. And well, it happened. So now uh, we are, if you are the user of the Trezor, you can start saving directly uh, into Bitcoin from your hardware wallet, both in Europe and in the USA with the Swan Bitcoin. So thank you very much for this. Yeah, thank you, Stefan. So, uh, yeah, and uh, I had the opportunity to meet, uh, you know, just was it last week, week before. So uh, I was in Prague and I, I met a bunch of the guys from uh, Trezor and yourself. Um, and I think it's an opportunity for a lot of people to help normalize this idea that everyone should just be saving into their own self-custody. And that's something that's one we've been promoting for a long time. We have free withdrawals. It's, you know, we promote this idea of automated withdrawals. So I know uh, definitely it made sense to automate this as well. Um, so I think also for a lot of people, it, it's a bit, I mean, just talking about DCA in general, I think it's one of those things where it can be counterintuitive at first for a lot of people because they're thinking in terms of trading, they're thinking in terms of trying to make a quick win. And it, it, it's a shift in the mindset that it takes to actually go to DCA. But I think it is justified in terms of if you look at the statistics, if you look at how many people who try to day trade and how many of them don't actually end up winning or making money, quite often day traders and even just by the statistics I, I literally I wrote a blog post um, about this on this one site it's called traders lose and stackers win uh, and there are literally a bunch of studies that you can find if you look into day trading uh, where basically they find that as an example um, in Taiwan uh, in terms of stock day traders from 1992 to 2006 less than 1% of the day trader population is able to predictably and reliably earn positive abnormal returns net of fees and this is analyzing 450,000 Taiwanese individuals who were day trading so it gives you an idea of the kind of odds and the numbers that you're trying to beat if you're someone out there trying to manually time things as opposed to just as we say swan and chill or dca and chill uh, you know you can stack um so now with trezor you can do this with trezor also so i think it's a great um feature and um function that's out there for people um I want to yeah, ask a few people and get their thoughts as well. So from uh, anyone on the panel, I'm curious uh, if you've got anything you wanted to add on the whole idea of DCA uh, or even trying to manually time things. Yeah, I want to add on what you just said, Stephen, because I think that this cooperation between Swan and uh, Trezor is actually 
like promoting that people don't trade. We are pulling away people from exchanges. We are giving them, giving them self sovereignty, self custody, and at the same time, they can still uh, they use the right strategy to to increase their um, let's say uh, to move into Bitcoin. So that's just my five cents uh, for now. But yeah, I completely agree with you. Great, um, and yeah, so. The, I'll give you another example here in terms of the Brazilian equity futures market, right? And so I think it can be seductive in certain ways because there are people who are selling this course of, oh, look, see, just follow me and I'll tell you how to buy and sell and time things yourself. But the reality is it's just not that. It's it's an extremely small percentage of people who can do that. Um, um, Alex, did you want to add something? Oh, I just wanted to ask really quickly, I had a question. Uh, is and that is, um, if somebody wanted to do DCA today, can they go in there with Trezor and do DCA through Swan right now? Is that live? And and if so, can you maybe briefly explain what it looks and feels like to people? Yeah, um, so I can jump into this for, uh, real quickly. You can do it right now. It, it's live right now with Swan. We have supported for the United States. Of course, you have some limitations there for the regions, for the states. Um, but essentially what you do, you plug in your Trezor, you can, uh, you open the Trezor suite, which is the environment desktop app that comes with it. Uh, and then you go into the trade tab. There is a button that says save into Bitcoin, I believe, save into like DCA. And uh, from there, you will set up the amounts you want to save, uh, the frequency you want to save into. And the moment you confirm that, uh, a pop-up is going to show uh, um, in your browser where you uh, go through the onboarding process with Swan, so the standard regular uh, onboarding you have. Uh, but with one difference is that uh, the withdrawal address has been sent from your Trezor into the Swan through API. So the auto uh, automated withdrawals is already set from the moment you set up the account with, that you set up the DCA with Swan. And if I may add, uh, because uh, the integration itself, uh, I think, is uh, very good. I'm really happy about it. And what's more, I think it's very important what uh, Stefan said a few seconds ago. It's all about automation because I think the DCA is the best way how to, uh, you know, um, invest in any kind of asset, especially into Bitcoin. Because uh, I sometimes tell that uh, the savings into Bitcoin is something like the automation of the investment discipline because... From my experience, uh, the best way how to do it is set it and forget it because the greatest enemy in building the wealth or building the wealth in Bitcoin is oneself. And here we see that uh, with the Trezor, you have the security part and with the DCA, you have the automation of the discipline. So there is uh, simply keep it by every month or every week or every quarter. It doesn't matter. Simply start with it and uh, keep it running. So uh, I think it's quite easy uh, from the technical part. And I think it's also affordable. It means that you can set an amount which is suitable for you. You can start with, uh, you know, several uh, dollars uh, and it works. So, and, and the main point, of course, we all know it, but uh, I think it's important to say it, that the acquisition price averaging over time. So it means in a long-term perspective, you're buying Bitcoin at an average, I would say, great uh, price. So uh, just to mention it. Yeah, of course. And I think on this whole DCA conversation, I think the other angle people bring up is, of course, lump sum. Like, should you take a lump sum? And I mean, the way I see it is, of course, when you try to lump sum, 
you are trying to, in some sense, tr- you are trying to time things a little bit. But at the same time, the way you might think of it is maybe you you decide, okay, I'm going to take an initial lump sum and then go with a DCA plan. And I think that's a typical approach that people will take. Uh, the reason being just because if you've if you've made that decision for yourself, you've become you've come up with your own conviction, then you you purchase an amount of Bitcoin in line with how much you're willing to uh, put away for at least four or five years on the low side, I think. And then then once you have that regular DCA, then you'll really thank yourself later, right? So as my friend Safety says, uh, the best trades we make are with our future selves. And so I can understand maybe there's a hesitation a little bit at the start when you're, or especially during a bear cycle, as we are likely in one now. Uh, I think everyone pretty much agrees we're in a bear cycle right now. And so it might feel awkward or it doesn't feel as fun or nice to be buying Bitcoin in the bear cycle. But paradoxically, this is the best time to be doing it. Like on average, if you look back, buying and setting up during the bear cycle has yielded a lot of uh, return for people when they've been in uh, with the right thesis, with the right conviction. uh, And naturally, that does build over time also. Um, Alex? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask um, for for people who are not familiar. Like, there's going to be a lot of people in this room who know exactly what Trezor is and and what it does and all that kind of stuff. But there's there's we always try to speak to people who are brand new and don't know anything. So if you're brand new to the space uh, and you're trying to learn about Bitcoin, would you guys mind explaining what Trezor is a little bit? And by the way, after we go through the various topics that uh, Stefan and these gentlemen want to discuss, we're going to be opening it up for Q and A. For maybe 10 or 15 minutes towards the end. So we're going to be happy to bring some people up if you guys have questions for these guys as well. So again, my question was, could you explain briefly what the heck Trezor is? Hey, uh, so this is Matthias speaking. I'm the Chief Product Officer of Trezor. Um, and I guess this question is for me. <laughs> so uh, Trezor, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the hardware world concepts, a uh, concept, concept at all, uh, Trezor is the first uh, that came to existence. It is uh, is the first device that has been built as a hardware wallet, and it's a small device uh, that has display, which you connect to computer, and where your private keys from your Bitcoin accounts are stored. Uh, so, the usual sort of misconception in the in the entry level or with with the entrance into the Bitcoin space is that somehow these devices store uh, the bitcoins on on there on them on these devices that's not that's not quite true it's actually the private keys that are stored um, that are stored uh, on this device and the device is sort of the one of the most secure ways how you can keep these private keys and uh, they can't get really hacked from you know as opposed to having them on, on some server of some um, let's say exchange or some you know, like a party where basically it's sort of stored online. So this this device is completely offline. Uh, this is the, uh, like I said, that's the secure way how to store uh, private keys. And uh, Trezor, by the way, does this in an open source way, which is quite an important part to it as well, because uh, that sort of means that uh, everything we do on the hardware and software part is basically auditable by the by the uh, public audience, basically. So. So anybody can really uh, look at uh, look at our source codes and check what we are up to. Um, so yeah, that's I guess uh, in a nutshell what it does. And maybe uh, 
one more thing to do the private keys. It's really, I sometimes explain this as a, as really as if, if you, if you think of like physical pair of keys, you know, where you basically, if you want to get to an apartment or to a safe, let's say, uh, you need these keys and you're the only person that holds these keys. And that's the way you access, you know, basically your Bitcoin on the network. The, the Bitcoin is not stored at the device. It's obviously, uh, you know, in, on the blockchain and, uh, yeah, Trezor helps basically secure, uh, these funds for millions of users globally. Yeah. If I can uh, just underscore something that Matej said, uh, thank you for that explanation. Uh, Trezor doesn't hold your Bitcoin and Trezor, the device, isn't actually uh, needed to basically store your Bitcoin. What Trezor does is it generates your private keys in the open source manner, as uh, Matej said, and then you... Uh, when you initialize your Trezor, you need to write down your seed. And this seed, since it's based on BIP39, uh, it's compatible with other hardware or software wallets. So, uh, and that's the most important thing about uh, storing your coins basically anywhere on hardware wallet or, or on a software wallet. You need to secure your seed and then you can recreate your wallets in other, uh, in other compatible wallets. So, uh, yeah. If anybody uses Trezor, just keep this keep that in mind. The seed is the most important thing, not the device itself. Yeah, so I might just add uh, like one way to think of it, like because obviously I understand when people are new and they're coming in, they think of it like, oh, I'm keeping my Bitcoin in the Trezor, like, but obviously that's not actually what's happening. You can think of it more like your coins are on this cloud ledger, and really the Trezor is holding the key that allows you to unlock those coins and send them to another place on that ledger, if you will. So that's maybe a little bit of a looser analogy, or maybe you can even looser, you can sort of think of it like it's a, it's keeping the password. But the, 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 the special thing with Bitcoin is it's using public key cryptography. So in a way, what's happening is your software is signing a message, and then the Trezor device is helping you sign that message to say to the network, yes, move, you know, 0.1 Bitcoin from this, uh, out of this coin to this address. And so you can think of it a bit like that. Obviously, I'm some, I'm simplifying a little bit, but that kind of gives you the idea of roughly what's happening in the background. Um, and so, yeah, that's the general practice that people do is they initialize their wallet and they get their 24 seed words or recovery phrase. There's different words people use. Um, but those are your secret words that you need to protect and make sure nobody gets access to those. So that's the basic high level. Um, and uh, we've had Jan just join us as well. So Jan is our CTO over at Swan Bitcoin. Um, so Jan, we've just explained a little bit about the partnership, the integration. Um, so maybe, Jan, do you want to just touch on a little bit from, you know, from your side? Uh, what, what does it look like, um, you know, working uh, with the, the SWAN API and stuff? Hey, guys. Uh, sorry for joining a little late here. Um, yeah, it's great to be here. And I'm really excited about this integration. I, you know, this is kind of uh, one of many that we are currently pursuing with uh, wallets because we want people to take self-custody. And that's kind of an important philosophical uh, stance that Swan has is we try to get people to, you know, we try to find people where they are in their Bitcoin journey and sort of nudge them along into the next level. A lot of people come to us uh, as first time Bitcoiners. They're, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out what Bitcoin is. They're trying to figure out how to buy it. They're trying to figure out how to take self-custody. And now we have a great option for them to recommend uh, to go to Trezor 
to connect that directly to their Swan account and to be able to stack right into their Trezor, which is a nice way to to get coins off the platform. Uh, as far as our API, is something that we've been working on for the last year and somewhat quietly, as you guys have probably seen, we're, we keep announcing new partners. Uh, so uh, we've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes with these partners to, to bring on uh, new types of integrations. Uh, the Swan API is really maturing into something kind of uh, quite, quite uh, rich, I would say. Um, so not only does it actually allow you to connect wallets, which was kind of where we started, uh, and if uh, some of you remember, maybe almost a year ago, we released our first wallet integration, which was with Hexa Wallet, uh, another great option for people that are new to Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, that was just the initial, uh, the initial release of our API basically was connect your wallet. Uh, because again, you know, self-custody is so important to us. That was the first thing that we wanted to build was let people withdraw their coins to their wallet. Um, these days, the integration is quite a lot deeper. You can actually integrate automatic savings plans. Uh, you can integrate uh, smash buying capabilities as well. Uh, so with Trezor, we actually worked on uh, one of the first integrations that does let you set up an automatic savings plan directly from their interface, which is kind of cool. Uh, so that means that any app that wants to have people onboarded into Bitcoin and onboarded in a way that is essentially, you know, like the way that we think people should be onboarded into Bitcoin is through automated savings, right? Uh, because... That is the way that you're not going to miss these crazy, you know, boom and bust cycles. You're not going to, you're going to be able to sleep well at night. Uh, that's really important to us is, you know, letting people just think about Bitcoin as uh, an on-ramp. They're converting their sort of, you know, legacy fiat currency to this new monetary system. We don't really expect people to come off of that system. Uh, and we do our best to educate them why they shouldn't come off of that system. And so automated savings plans are a really big part of that. And Trezor did a great job integrating that uh, capability because, you know, now that people are coming in to, to the Trezor interface, they have the option right away to set up a savings plan and it's going to go into their Trezor wallet. And I think that's philosophically what we all should be working towards with uh, sort of new Bitcoiners is trying to help them in that direction. Uh, so yeah, just kind of a little summary of what the API is capable of today is you can uh, set up wallet integrations. So you can connect wallet addresses, uh, you can connect um, buying capabilities. And uh, we're working on Lightning right now. So there's going to be on and off ramps for Lightning as well. Uh, so anybody who's got an app that wants to interact with Bitcoin or Lightning but doesn't have the capability to sort of do that fiat to Bitcoin on-ramp or off-ramp, uh, that's where our API is going to come in and help everybody's uh, apps kind of become powered up. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, yeah, I think it's also just a – I think – what we are trying to do here in some ways is there are new people who are coming into the space and then they have to get in some way inculcated with certain ideas and ethos. And part of that is this idea of non-custody, right? Non you know, non-custodial, right? You, you taking your own keys. And I can understand where people who are new, maybe they're not used to thinking like that because they're just used to thinking of it like, okay, I've got my stocks on this broker platform or I've got my bonds on, you know, on this other platform or my property, the title to which is held in some government registry. Uh, and it takes some time for people to grasp that difference. And I think that's also why it, there's a bit of a default for some people to stay stuck in a custodial environment because for one, maybe they are scared away. Um, by maybe it, from their point of view, it, if you're new, it looks a bit maybe it's a bit scary. You're worried about losing things. I'm curious, uh, in, if, you know, for anyone on the panel, what kind of experiences have you seen with, let's say, if you have friends or family who you've been trying to teach about Bitcoin, what are some of the things you've heard them say? 
Yeah, a lot of times uh, when I introduce uh, like newcomers into the concept of hardware wallets and self-custody, they uh, basically say what uh, you just mentioned. Uh, it's very alien to them to hold their own property in such a sovereign manner. But uh, after some while, after they have a chance to uh, really interact with Bitcoin through some software wallets, then they get their hands on a hardware wallet. They see that uh, it's not that intimidating. The UX is getting much better over over the years. And uh, I believe like a lot of the players have done a very good job in explaining this is your seed, what it means, uh, how you should actually uh, control your seed, how sh you should handle it. And uh, yeah, so we've come a long way in explaining why self-custody matters and giving people the tools to actually handle it themselves quite well. So yeah, there's a, there's a learning curve, but it isn't as steep as it used to be several years ago. Yeah. Stefan, jump in. Yeah, thank you, Joseph. I have the very same experience, but what really helps me is uh, also talking with people about the current uh, economic and I would say the geopolitical situation, because usually people, you know, think about hardware wallet, okay, it's something that can improve my security, but why? Because I can keep my coins on the exchange on a Revolut app and blah, blah, blah. And I think it's important to explain to these people that uh, it's important to see the world events with a kind of a concern, because... Uh, and this is my personal, uh, personal um, opinion. I'm very close to Ray Dalio's view of the current uh, situation. So it means that we are in the new phase of the competition of world-leading empires. We can say uh, that, um, I, I say competition, but in fact, it means war. And it seems that we are entering in the final phase of the big debt cycle. So uh, that's not only time to check the personal assets allocation, uh, not only in Bitcoin, but uh, also um, uh, in respect to the other assets. And uh, this is how I start the conversation with people, uh, explaining the situation, explaining the broad economical and geopolitical consequences. And that is where the hardware wallet can be easily explained, because especially it gives you the flexibility in real asset protection. So it means you are not relying on a third party. Uh, you are able to, for example, move to other jurisdiction or tax residency without an obligation to, for example, communicate with your exchange or notify anyone or to send your bill with the address to anyone. Or even actually you can flee the country. And we saw this in Ukraine. We are based in Prague and we have a lot of refugees for Ukraine here in Prague. And I've heard some of their stories and it's incredible how, you know, the Bitcoin and the fact that they were the owners of the private keys safe uh, a lot uh, important part of their wealth so i think it's uh, there are multiple ways how to explain uh, maybe this is a bit scary to people but from my experience it works and we must be you know transparent and try to speak with people about these potential consequences Yeah, great. Um, and are there any other tips that you guys want to share, uh, anyone on the panel, in terms of security tips for holding your own keys and doing things like even backups or um, passphrase or any tips around that that you would like to share? Yeah, so maybe if, uh, speaking for Trezor, I wanted to add uh, one uh, point to the discussion as well, which is very much related to the question you have just asked as well. 
I think for us, it's uh, really important, you know, to uh, sort of um, explain that um, it's not just the crypt sort of the cryptography and all these like technical sort of barriers that uh, the way we protect the treasure and the private keys stored inside. It's also the, the UX, you know, it's the user experience that needs to be really simplified for the users and especially for the new users coming to the, um, you know, to Bitcoin. And obviously there are more and more users coming there and it's sort of it's our responsibility to really make it super easy for them and to, uh, to really simplify and uh, explain this concept in, in, a, in a friendly way. So, um, and that's something, you know, like part of this whole sort of security uh, model is, is also the accessibility and, and, and sort of the usability of the whole product. And that's very important to us. So, uh, so yeah, I just wanted to add this. It's, it's just um, something we work on pretty hard as well. And I can just show there's something from our roadmap that I can, can say that we are um, working on a sort of new design for the Treasure Suite ecosystem for the upcoming year. And I think it will be great. So I think everybody can sort of look forward to it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Alex, did you have something to add? Yeah, and this is just really basic information for people who are new looking at Bitcoin, maybe for the first time or they're trying to figure it out. There's two kinds of custody, basically. You've got institutional custody and then you've got self-custody. Institutional is when you're holding it with a, an institution, obviously. Like in our case, it's Prime Trust. Uh, it might be Fidelity, it might be Nidig, et cetera, right? Or maybe it's sitting on an exchange. But the bottom line is there is some third party that basically has the custody of your Bitcoin. At Swan, we've always sort of recommended, you know, if possible, it's really good to do self-custody, which is taking it off of an institutional platform and putting it into your own custody. That's what this is all about. Um, and so what I the, the one thing I wanted to say about that is don't be afraid to buy Bitcoin even before you've figured out the self-custody. Buy the Bitcoin. Like, you know, now's the time. <laughs> if you look at where things are at, now's the time. Don't let that be the thing that stops you or prevents you from buying the Bitcoin. It's okay to buy it and leave it in institutional custody for a time while you're figuring out self-custody. And take your time. Learn it. Like, don't, like, rush into it. Uh, don't feel like you have to rush into the self-custody part. We definitely think that you should, but do it, but you don't have to rush. And then finally, I mean, there are going to be situations where institutional custody is a requirement, um, and that's going to happen more and more in the future. But if you're an individual and you're not, you know, you're not some a business or a fund or whatever that requires institutional custody, then then maybe that's the path to consider. Joseph? Yeah, just uh, going back to your question on the security tips. Uh, so what I would recommend, and as I said, the seat is the most important thing uh, you need to look uh, look for. Uh, the passphrase, I think that's very important for people to uh, understand and when they understand to set up their passphrase because uh, the passphrase secures uh, your seat. If you just leave your seat uh, lying around your house and somebody discovers that, they would be able to steal your Bitcoin. But if you have a passphrase protected uh, wallet uh, derived from that seat, uh, you will still be able to hold on to your Bitcoin. And uh, this goes without saying, but you should keep the passphrase uh, backed up uh, in some physical um, form as well, written down, but you should keep it separate from the seed. So uh, please do look into passphrases. I think they are great features and great way to protect your seed. And uh, other 
nice feature that uh, Trezor Model T offers is uh, the Shamir backups. Uh, because let's say you have uh, like your seed, uh, but the problem is then you have just one sheet of paper or maybe it's a physical uh, seed plate like uh, Cryptos and other companies offers. But the problem is you have a single point of failure there. You have just this one uh, seed backup and Shamir backup offers you a way to make your seat redundant uh, where you set up a scheme, let's say three out of five, so that you need just three shares of your seat to re uh, reconstruct your wallet and the other two can be lost or destroyed or stolen and you will still have an access to your coins. So Shamir Backup and Passphrase, I think, are great security tips. And uh, as I also mentioned, uh, it's good to look into physical backups so that you don't have uh, everything on paper. Uh, Jameson, Lobs, uh, Jam Jameson Lob has uh, great uh, reviews of all the, the physical backup uh, solutions there are on the market. So maybe look into that. Yeah, and I think one other point that I would just add for people who are listening, obviously just to keep this accessible for new people and even for experienced people, this is also a tip. Often we learn by doing. So oftentimes before we get started on a new pathway, we're worried that we're going to make a mistake somewhere. And the reality is, the hard reality is that many times we have to make those mistakes to learn. Uh, and so for many of us who've been in the space for years, I had to make a lot of mistakes when I was first learning about Bitcoin and self-custody and how to use it and how to run a Bitcoin node and all of these things. Uh, but you really just have to get out there and get your hands dirty and just give it a try. And I think that's probably the, the main thing I would mention for people, uh, especially for people, I know it's a common thing where people have, you know, when I talk to people, sometimes they say, oh, look, I've already bought my hardware wallet or my hardware device, but I haven't set it up yet. I've just left my coins with the exchange or the custodian and things like this. What I would say is, look, just take the time, just go set it up, like just set aside 20 minutes or something later today or, you know, some other day in the week, set up the wallet, get it done. And, you know, just take that action um, because ultimately that's what it takes to really be self-sovereign. So it takes a bit of work. It takes a little bit of self-responsibility, a little bit of accountability. But what you'll find is once you start plugging into the Bitcoin space, you start to see that there is that culture. It's, it's a culture of personal accountability. And I know that can be scary at the, at, on one side, but on the other hand, it's also very empowering. So I think it's it's something else entirely when you've sent your own Bitcoin transaction for the first time. And especially once you've done it on your own, not trusting or not having to trust somebody else uh, and just being able to do it yourself, it's another level of uh, you know, power that you feel, uh, especially in a world where you know, maybe people feel like they've, be, they've had a lot of their powers taken away from them. Um, this is something that uh, is a big thing for you. Just like everybody's first Bitcoin transaction or everybody's first lightning transaction, you just sort of see the magic and seeing is believing. So that's that's something I would just add for people out there. Um, but yeah, anyone else from, from the panel have anything else that they want to add or throw in here? If I may, uh, I just wanted to emphasize what uh, just uh, Stefan said, because this is extremely important. We understand that this is our experience from Trezor, that sometimes the concept of the hardware wallet might seem uh, too complicated for people. Uh, in fact, it's pretty easy. I believe the UX is, uh, we are still improving the UX to make it as easy as possible. But at some point, of course, uh, the user will get in touch with the technical part. 
And that's why a lot of people start with the exchange or will start the DCA uh, on the uh, you know exchange. That's not bad. And uh, I would also like to emphasize what Alex said. That, uh, first of all, please start with the Bitcoin. That's, uh, that's the first priority you should have. Uh, don't make it too complicated. Uh, you don't need to study the concept of the hardware wallet for a year and then start with your Bitcoin. No, just jump in, start it. And at least, please, use uh, the second factor authenticator on your exchange. You can, you know, make uh, very simple steps to start improving your security, not only in regard to Bitcoin, but in regard to, uh, for example, your accounts on a Twitter or Facebook or other accounts. And you will learn through this how to, you know, store your Bitcoins in the future in the hardware wallet on your own. So this is uh, also very important. And I would like to say one more thing, and it is uh, the the phishing. Uh, please be aware of uh, phishing. This is something why people uh, lost Bitcoins. Uh, usually people don't lose Bitcoins because of the hack attack or something like that. No, it's very uh, strange, but uh, we've heard a lot about the cases when you, for example, obtain an email, uh, it seems like an official email of your, for example, exchange of, or of your bank. So please be aware of the phishing. Uh, check it twice. Don't send your Bitcoins anywhere bef uh, before you double check at least uh, the, the, the address and uh, who you are dealing with. So this is just to mention the phishing, the big problem. Great, thank you. So yeah, I think there's lots of um, ways people can get started and then you advance up on that journey as you go. Um, so, you know, whether that's learning to run your own Bitcoin node and I know uh, Treza Suite has a feature for that also. Um, uh, here at Swan, we have Spectre also. That's another way that you can easily run your Bitcoin node. So Spectre is FOSS open source software and you can run your own Bitcoin node and it's packaged into the software. So you can just package it in and you can even use it with your Trezor as an, as an example. So that's another way. Um, there's all kinds of ways that you can do that. Um, looks like Stackchain, do you have a question or a comment? Yeah, I have a question. So currently, I'm, I'm a Swan uh, uh, client, and, and currently there's a, a wait period for um, uh, for Bitcoin to become available uh, from Unlock from Prime. And I'm wondering if uh, what you guys are proposing changes that or shortens that period. Hey, I can chime in on that. Uh, so we're actually working uh, independently to improve that time. The reason that time is there is primarily because of ACH fraud. And I recognize that nobody on this uh, call here is an ACH fraudster, I hope. Um, you know, most of our customers are not that, right? It's a very small percentage of customers that would be the fraudsters. And uh, unfortunately, everybody suffers because of them. Obviously, we don't want that. And so one of the things that we've been working on is just a much more sophisticated risk engine that knows how to profile uh, somebody's, you know, essentially propensity to do fraud. Uh, and for the customers who have developed loyalty with us, we're definitely going to be dropping that. Uh, that time down. It's not specifically related to this Trezor release, but it is something that we are working on actively. Uh, I don't want to give you exact timelines, but probably within the next four to eight weeks, it's something that we are trying to tighten up. So what you're going to see there is instead of that 10-day lockup, uh, it's going to kind of be variable depending on you know your loyalty, essentially. Like if you've been around for six months and you've been you know stacking without problems, your bank account works, You know there's no reason you need that lockup. So we're going to be working to lower that for people who we, you know, sort of perceive to be low risk. And that's uh, something we're going to be improving, hopefully fairly soon. 
I'll add to that, and anyone who leans in the direction of Swan Private, meaning you're doing larger transactions, you can bypass all that just by doing either a, a push ACH or, or a wire. We have a lot of people come to us and say, well, there's a really substantial purchase that they want to do. If you do push ACH or a wire, there's you basically can take the Bitcoin off within 24 hours. Thank you, Alex. That's a great point. And actually, push ACH, which is also known as direct deposit, is something that is currently available. So if you go to your uh, settings screen in your upper right-hand corner, you'll see a place for direct deposit. Uh, and you can, if your bank supports push ACH or direct deposit, basically you just plug in our bank account, or in other words, your bank account of SWAN, the, the routing number and the account number, and your bank will push to SWAN. And in that situation, yeah, there's no you know ACH reversal risk to us. So we are happy to give you your Bitcoin within 24 hours. One one quick example, I want to clarify something. Are you familiar with Zelle, Jan? Does does Zelle work with that? Is that considered push ACH? Push Zelle, ACH? no. Zelle is like a proprietary network between certain banks, so it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, but it's yeah, it's a similar concept. Okay, thanks. All right. Well, we are uh, coming up towards the top of the hour. If you are either on the panel. Uh, have a question, you're in the audience and you want to ask a question, you can request to come up. We'll be kind to you, I promise. You can also ask a question in t.me forward slash Cafe Bitcoin Club. We'll wrap it up with some questions and maybe give uh, uh, Stefan and then these other gentlemen, both from Trezor and NVIDIA, a couple of minutes to make some closing comments before we hit the top of the hour here. Is there anything uh, from the NVIDIA and Trezor teams that you want to hit that we haven't talked about? And then also, uh, Jan, is there anything particular you want to hit or Stefan that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, I just want to tie up the conversation a little bit about, you know, when when should you sort of get into self-custody versus when should you buy Bitcoin? And I think one of the things that some people kind of have this like black and white view on, you know, if it's not self-custody, it's not real Bitcoin. And that is true in a sense, because if it's not in your self-custody, there's always a risk because, you know, we've had things like uh, Executive Order 6102, which Bitcoiners may be familiar with when the government sees everybody's gold. Uh, you know, things like that are obviously, option, are, are obviously options for the government if the Bitcoin is sitting on exchanges. So it's something that is, uh, you know, a low probability event, but could happen, right? Uh, the other thing that could happen is your exchange could get hacked, right? And that's something that also has happened. Also a low probability event, but it's something that has happened to especially lower quality exchanges. Uh, I would say with today's, you know, sort of more modern, um, you know, institutional grade custody solutions, which are audited and, um, you know, highly secure, that is less likely to happen, but still a risk, right? We want to make sure we understand what those risks are. But we also want to understand that nothing is black and white. There's trade-offs to everything, right? So if you are going to go to the self-custody route, you also have to be confident that you understand what that means. You have to be confident that you've secured your seed. You have to be confident that you're not going to lose it. And that confidence comes with experience and with trial and error a little bit, right? It also comes with us improving our user experience and all of these different uh, hardware and software solutions that are out there. And that's something that we're all working on, of course. Um, but ultimately, everybody makes that decision based on, you know, where, where their comfort level is. And to be frank, we have a lot of folks that come to us at Swan that are maybe not super tech savvy. They may be a little bit older. They're looking to get into Bitcoin, but we need to guide them towards that path of self-custody. And there's, you know, there's a little bit there. Uh, so until people are fully comfortable, that there is that trade-off. So uh, I would echo what everybody else has said. And I think, you know, getting your hands on some Bitcoin is the first step. It's important because it gets you skin in the game and then you start to learn what those trade-offs are and you start to learn more about, 
what you have now and why it's important to secure it. Uh, and that's what leads you to actually be motivated to do the self-custody. Yeah, so thanks, Jan. So if I can add something to it from, from Trezor. So we very much welcome, uh, you know, sort of the guidance to new users uh, into into Bitcoin. So that's why actually we love to work with Inwiti and that's why we sort of want to expand uh, sort of the horizon of the services that the company provides, uh, to, to the, especially to the novices. And as I mentioned before, I think it's really important that uh, we, we onboard uh, these new people um, through various you know services that are easy to understand and the usability is very, very important part. Uh, and as their sort of uh, experience and as their understanding of the of the fairly technical concepts um, you know evolves, then they these users might be able to uh, you know enjoy some of uh, the core features and values that the whole treasure ecosystem provides. So that's why we are here. That's why we always be here. Uh, that's why we do these things in the open source way. And I can, I can also promise that we will deliver some, some new hardware uh, products uh, in the, in the future, uh, hopefully in the near future. Uh, so the users can uh, look forward to those and we will always strive for the sort of, yeah, the best, um, best, um, Sort of feasible at the end the user journey that we can we can provide. So, so again, I, I welcome uh, the the idea that we can we can uh, onboard these users even in some you know custody way. Even though like Trezor will never never ever uh, uh, you know like ever uh, work or collect any KYC data for for the users. There are other companies that do that, but but as a general idea, I think uh, it's it's sort of um, it. And these services have their right place in this in this whole user journey. So. Yeah, um, I just wanted to chime in what what Jan said about like you know about the experience and uh, like it's not all black and white as you said. Uh, I agree with that, but I also think that it also depends on the risk appetite of a person. Uh, it doesn't make sense to if you if you, you know if you have a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, it doesn't really make sense to invest into your crypto uh, hardware crypto hardware wallet. As Alex said, it's completely perfect to to just start with a custodial wallet, but then as you go on. That's when you learn more uh, along the route, and that's when you start investing into something into, into your security. Uh, the same way as with the things that uh, Joseph mentioned, passphrase or or uh, Shamir backup. It doesn't make sense for everyone, but as you have more and as you maybe save more with DCA uh, into uh, Bitcoin, then it makes sense to start thinking about these more advanced uh, advanced security features. No, uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket is what I would leave uh, everybody with. I think one tip I would leave people with is to uh, basically don't step your foot off the gas when you're stacking over time because uh, this is, I mean, maybe for me, I, you know, I came in in 2013. So for me, you know, there there were times where I wasn't stack, stacking as aggressively as I could have been. Uh, and, you know, of course, mistakes were made along the way, right? Like I, you know, like lots of people coming in new, especially in those days, I made mistakes. But I think stacking and making sure that you're stacking in the bear cycle 
um, it does make a huge difference um, because then when the cycle turns, you're very, very grateful that you were stacking. So I think it's a useful thing um, for people to get away from the idea of trying to time the market and just think of it more like savings technology and just think of it as just automate. That's why you know, a big part of, you know, why I, you know, even joined the company with Swan and became an advisor and stuff is because I, I, you know, I think that message really does resonate for a lot of people, like whether you are able to earn in Bitcoin or whether you are able to just regularly stack and self-custody. I think those are really important tools for all of us as we're trying to grow the space uh, and also, you know, do better for, you know, for our space and also for ourselves and our families. So that's probably the, the final tip from me. We have a question coming in by text that uh, perhaps the Trezor guys would like to a answer. And the question is, when self-destruct feature? In particular, <laughs> he's asking if it could have maybe Octopus Inc. or Cobra Venom shooting the thief in the face, also with a remote viewable camera to see what happens. Uh, I can really promise that these features are on the roadmap, uh, even though we will definitely consider them. <laughs> it's like, it's my favorite uh, product line where you basically say yeah, it's on the roadmap. So, no, but great question. It can, Thanks. It can <laughs> be like those, um, you know, the Tom Cruise uh, head glass, uh, the sunglasses that will explode straight after he's viewed the briefing, you know, it could be like that. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome stuff. I think that pretty much, um, does it if uh unless uh there's any other questions i think what we can do is maybe give these guys a couple opportunities to make some closing comments um and anything they want the audience to be aware of and and we'll move on to the next part of the show uh jan or stefan do you guys have anything you want to close with and then we'll go to the we'll go to the treasure and invity guys uh I'll close real quick on just uh, a message to developers. If anybody out here is a developer and is interested in working with the Swan API, uh, you could go to developers.swan.com. Uh, that's our developer portal. You can check out what's available there. And if something is not available that you think should be available, uh, please drop us a line. You can hit me on DMs on Twitter. It's open. And uh, we can have that conversation. Yeah, and just uh, to close it, uh, I just wanted to thank to our partners in the Swan. I think the integration works very well, so let's try it, uh, guys. And uh, well, the technical part is over, but uh, there is still something to do, and it's to educate people, to speak with them about the Bitcoin, about the concepts, about the philosophy behind, and learning them how to, you know, not only start with Bitcoin, but how to gradually improve their security. And that's a big shoe to fill. So thank you very much. You bet. Matek, did you have anything, or Mataj, I'm sorry, do you have anything you want to finish up with? Or? Um, not really. I think, yeah, there, there are good topics were, were covered. Uh, as I mentioned, we really are here uh, for the millions of users globally to help them, you know, lead them on the whole Bitcoin journey. Uh, we'll be there for them, uh, you know, to, to secure their Bitcoins uh, in the hardware wallet and the, the open source hardware wallet. And... And yeah, we are really looking forward to delivering these new products, uh, which we are working on. You know, obviously, we are very excited about that because that's uh, yeah, that's basically our business and and where our philosophies and um, and yeah, thanks for having us. You bet. I want to thank all of you for being here today, Stefan, uh, Jan. I know your time. I mean, all these guys, their time is super valuable. They're super busy dudes. Uh, so, uh, Mataj, Stefan, uh, Bach, thank you all. 
for hanging out. Why don't we uh, hit some announcements uh, and then we will keep rolling. All right. You've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Good morning and welcome. If you've never been here before, we do talk about Bitcoin. We do it every day, Monday through Friday, start at 7 a.m., roll for about two hours. Uh, it's a great place to learn about Bitcoin. A great place for your morning news. Preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry who pop in, talk about what's going on, share news just like we did today. Uh, if you can't catch a live show, it is up on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple as a podcast. Pacific Bitcoin is coming up pretty soon. Eight days. It's not too late. You can still go. Highly recommend. Uh, you can go to PacificBitcoin.com to buy a ticket. You can use promo code CAFE for a discount. Um, yeah, let's let's hear from uh, Michael Saylor about what he thinks. I don't travel to these things very often, but everybody that I wanted to meet in the Bitcoin world seemed to be there. And a lot of a lot of people reached out to me and said I should come. And then I looked at how many Bitcoiners were getting excited about it. And I thought, I didn't really want to miss this. It seems like it's going to be the event of the year. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing all of you. Should be a good time. All right, some things that are happening uh, at the conference. By the way, uh, the top sponsors who have all stepped up, Leaden Prime Trust, IBEX, um, there's going to be a great series of kind of side events that you can attend starting uh, as early as Tuesday. On Wednesday, there's going to be um, the Thank God for Bitcoin pre-conference. There's going to be a hackathon uh, for the stack chain guys, there's going to be a pleb party with Anders Wednesday night. Thursday party is going to be a VIP party. VIP gets you into everything. Uh, after the Thursday and Friday of the conference days on Friday, we'll be turning the Barker hangar into basically like a little mini nightclub, a couple hours of cocktails and DJs and stuff like that. <clears throat> Saturday should be a beach party and a VIP wrap party again, and VIP gets you in everything. We will be giving away one more general admission ticket worth 700 ish dollars. You can go to swan.com slash PB giveaway to enter to win that. <clears throat> if you're considering a VIP ticket, shoot me a DM. I've got something special for you. If you're already a Swan client uh, and have a Swan rep, talk to them about a special discount code. Later today, Nico is going to be hosting Jeff Booth and Lynn Alden for the Pacific Bitcoin Last Call stream. Be sure to tune in live on YouTube or you can catch it on Twitter Spaces. They are starting at 12 o'clock Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you check that out. All right, so later on, Probably the 30-minute mark-ish in the second hour. We've got Foundation coming on, um, and we're going to be talking a little bit to them. But we got some time to riff and talk about the news and stuff. Uh, what? Um, sorry. Actually, uh, there's no more guests today. Um, Foundation oh, is it. moving to Friday. So Friday, they're going to be joining us. <clears throat> yeah, so we're just right, rolling cool. and hanging out. Yeah, man. All right, thanks for the heads up. Would you mind, um, can you de-host me and re-host me because, like, I got nothing. (laughs) 
What's up, Wicked, Tomer, Anders? What's up, guys? We're trying to get Alex back up here. Okay, I'll, uh, in the meantime, public service announcement. When you want to throw a heart in a Cafe Bitcoin, obviously it's blue, same as uh, a Swan's logo, as close as we can get. This is important, of course. I will go grab a couple months of popcorn and I'm seeing history repeat itself. That is all I'll say. Can you explain, Lona? Oh, I'm just watching corporations, right? I get the dance because I get what a 10 billion corporation has to do. But it's always a slow slide into things other than Bitcoin. And I'm just going to grab some popcorn. I've seen many stories with Trezor. I know what they've done. I'm knowing all the arguments. And it's always a good thing to add some equipment. But always be careful about the things that might drag you astray because the hardest path is and not the most profitable path is the Bitcoin path. I'm sorry, over the years, why do you think 99% of people I've known have started, you know, let's just say mixed things over the years, right? Very few of them, like Francis, good friend, is very special. If you look at what bull Bitcoin has achieved, it's a near impossibility, I think, at this point. I don't know if anyone will be able to walk that same path. I hope you guys can. I just don't know how the companies are structured, how the finances are structured. So as I listen, I become a little bit concerned when I see stories repeating that have taken very good companies enough on a path that they didn't have a choice in five years about where they went or in three years. Um, so yeah, I'm actually interested, like I say, with Trezor being integrated, what you guys are doing. And I'm sure you guys have read all the history and understand um, as you make partners, what drags you away from just a mindset on Bitcoin to a mindset on other things that come in to make money. And reconciling that, making pure money forever just off Bitcoin is very hard. I think only a couple percentage of the companies will truly be able to do that on this planet. Swan has a chance to do some amazing things. Just watch the technologies you integrate because they will take you on a path that sometimes you don't have a choice. Um, I find it better for them just to be used in the system, not be a full partner in the system. You know, use a treasure for what it is. It's a side thing you can pick up. On a more positive note, while while this was going on, I was able to move uh, quite a bit of sats to cold storage, both from Strike and from Swan. It's something that I have to do on a and and actually, I'm I'm still a little upset with Strike because they have a weekly limit. Uh, Swan does not have a weekly limit, so uh, that is a that is a good thing. Um, <laughs> And uh, I just want to say that I am a boomer for anybody in the audience. Uh, the, I believe that the biggest problem or the biggest hurdle to get over with this technology really has nothing to do with the technology at all. It has to do, for me, with 40 years of the fiat virus having infected me. And it is difficult to get rid of that psychology. It's difficult to get rid of the idea that I have sovereignty over my own property. I think that was one of the things, I don't know if it was uh, Stefan uh, from Swan or Stefan from uh, Trezor that mentioned that, but it, people are just not used to having sovereignty over their own property. And the fact that it is final settlement and the responsibility that you that you take on when you are uh, when you are doing self-custody um, is a big responsibility, but it is also a great relief because 
once you are confident in your ability to navigate this technology, which is relatively easy, the the sense, the comfort, knowing that a third party, there's no third party risk. And it's really is a relief. I just wake up with a bunch of my chats chattering. So I'm the nice guy that comes out and says, hey, let's watch this. Just make sure where you're stepping. That's all. That's all I did was see a bunch of people talking about this. And I figure someone might just say, history can repeat itself. Do not let other companies drag you in their direction. I guess that's the big advice. You know, Swan, be the leader in this. Do not let any of those others drag you in a direction you don't want to go. Be prepared to snip that cord at any moment. That would just be... You got to be there. You got to be there if you want to maintain that Bitcoin only compass. And, and you might and have Lono, to have some hard conversations. And I've Lono, the, the 10th man, which is what you're doing right now, is one of the greatest things in the Bitcoin uh, Twitter space uh, that I know of is that there is always somebody that is looking for uh, some kind of of issue that needs to be that needs to be discussed. And I really appreciate I do it a lot myself and and I really appreciate it. Um, And that is one of the reasons that I even believe in Bitcoin even more is because of Bitcoin maxis like yourself that come in and say, hey, be careful of this and and watch out, because I think those things are really important to discuss. Did I miss something spicy? Oh, no, nothing. It was just um... We're just watching. I've seen Treasure come in and do some things before. I love Cold Card, per, card personally. On you know, full disclosure, I've known those people since they started it. Um, I've just solely struck down on that one because you know when guys like Alex and Spencer, you know, pop a Treasure in eight minutes or seven minutes, I have questions, right? You know, we all have questions and things like that. And then when they, I've seen them take good companies that are too small to have a conversation with them and need them in the wrong direction. And so, you know, when you get a little bit of them coming back in again and you're like, all right, these partnerships, this, well, great. You know, the only advice is um, be able to have those hard conversations with any of your partners. Do not let them get on top of you, I guess. Um, Thank you, yeah. man. I so appreciate you coming in here and telling us how to run Swan. You're so freaking awesome. Thank you, bro. Alex, it was just a suggestion from watching 12 Years of History and it repeating. It's, it's all good. I'm just, it's all good, man. I'm just giving you a hard time. Because yeah, you're giving us a hard time, a so I'm just giving it right you. back. Yeah, that's all. He's not giving you a hard time, he, Alex. He's just saying, don't fuck up. Yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> it, look, we're we we are in the line. You know, we're under the microscope all the freaking time. This is what I'll say. I trust Jan. He's not stupid. All right. So, granted, there are guys out there in the world like a good guy biker. But the chances that that particular guy is going to get your Trezor is kind of like the same chance that you're going to walk out of your house today and a 747 is going to fall right out of the sky and smash you face. So, yeah, it is, you know, there are attack vectors and I'm not trying to say that doesn't exist and I'm not trying to say don't be careful, but it's like, you know, I don't know. Give it a chance. Give it you a know, chance to grow. There's another thing too, Alex, um, and that's that there is an iteration and a progression that that is part of this Bitcoin journey and this Bitcoin experience. Most people go from holding it on to the exchange to moving it to a hot wallet to going into a ledger or a trezor, um, and then oftentimes determine that that security is not um, the level that they need or determining that that is enough security for for what they're doing and 
Um, you know, it, it is a personal, it is a personal thing. It depends on how far you want to go down that rabbit hole. The reality is, is that getting it off the exchange is the first step and the most important step in self-custody. I just want to say like, just protect your treasure. Like you would protect your seed phrase. If you're worried about a physical attack on the treasure. Right? It's basically the same attack. Vector, yeah. Is it not? Like yeah, if, if somebody busts in your house and they get your seed phrase, it's the same right. thing. So just, if, yeah, just protect it the same way. Or if you don't want it, you could generate it using the Trezor. And then once you back it up and you're sure you've backed it up correctly, like on a steel plate or however you back it up, you could then just wipe the Trezor clean if you're afraid of someone actually physically, uh, you know, tampering with your Trezor. But <laughs> just well, it's a double. You it's guys like took a double it though to the win. security of Trezor. My point was Trezor, the company, and what they've done to others, and what they've added, and the attack surface they add. So sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I get what you guys are saying about Alex. And by the way, every year at Defcom for five years, there's probably been another two, four to four hundred people that have learned it. They've taught people. There are people in almost every city I can hunt down that can do this now. That's are just you, that you're talking about that, physical. Like, but that doesn't matter because they're just going to pop your toe and you're going to give it to them. I'm talking about. Trezor and Chicklin Casinos and the drop downs and all the things that come with it and what they've done to other good companies. That was it. And I'm done with that well, combo. I don't really know all of them. Yeah. So I, I'm actually curious more about what Trezor's done because I don't know. Satoshi Labs has a history of supporting shitcoin, uh, you know, within their products. For example, they have the Invity or Invity, whatever you, however it's pronounced. But I mean, if you know, they, they sell a lot of shit coins off of that site. Gotcha. So, okay. shit coin so, it's, a, so it's a philosophical thing. No, uh, I totally... the, the treasure itself also supports shit coins. And I, I some other yeah, stuff there's, there. there's two different, and I understand. Uh, there's two different aspects of this. The one is the security issue. The other is, well, I guess it's a security issue too. Cause if you've got a lot, if you support a lot of other coins besides Bitcoin, right, those are all its potential attack vectors. But in in regards to what Lono's talking about, you know, with good the good guys of the world, like that's a that's a doubly difficult thing. I, I'm not sitting here trying to say it doesn't exist. I'm not going to sit, you know, pretend there's some chance. There's no chance that that this scenario could unfold. But I mean, there's a much greater chance that somebody just gets your gets your seed phrase. Being honest, like the chance that somebody gets physical access to your device, number one, right? Plus knows how to do what he's talking about, number two. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty small. If you pro if you practice good um, OPSEC, what I call OPSEC, which basically means you're not out there, uh, you know, flouting to the world that A, you use a specific kind of device or B, you have sh shit tons of Bitcoin on it, you you're a much less likely target. I mean, for guys who know how to do that kind of stuff, it's going to be a, a pretty much an engineered attack, right? They're going to look you up. They're going to do some intel on you. They're going to find out what they can and all that other kind of stuff. So just, you know, practice general good security practices. Don't be telling people how much Bitcoin you own. Don't be telling them which devices you've got it on, all that other kind of stuff. Go ahead, Peter. So I actually wanted to ask Lono a, a question. <clears throat> um, do you think that, that um, understanding this, this what's going on with 
with Trezor as a company is more important? Or do you think the things that Alex is talking about, um, you know, the basic offset kind of stuff is more important and or looking at at actors like the U.S. government that really could have a significant impact on the entire Bitcoin uh, uh, protocol. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to know your 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 thoughts on on that. If the things that we need to concentrate on. I can easy. Yes. All three. So on the first one, there is no point on all that physical stuff. It's just the $5 wrench attack. I'm sorry. They put a gun in your mouth. You can go after keys if they have you physically. So yeah, <laughs> the thing about adding things to it is you attack, you add more and more attack surface to the thing that do make it easy and easier, more used, more exposure to your Bitcoin. And it's about Trezor who's a large entity starting to have those large conversations over years that turn good businesses into what they call more profitable businesses, which are shitcoin casinos. So they do have a habit of going in there and creating that because people are desperate. Like most people will lose their businesses if they stick Bitcoin only. So they do turn. Right. So when I see them come in, it's nothing to do with Swan Bitcoin at all. I see Trezor come in and people start to make nice with them again and do all that. And I just think, here we go again. You you think there's a risk that Swan's going to become a shitcoin casino? Not now. Maybe not in the next two years. But you let entities like that in over a decade. I'm just saying over a decade, it's happened. You clearly don't know the guys running Swan. (laughs) (laughs) I just said, I didn't even say it was a Swan thing. I said it was a treasure thing. And it was there. That's fine. I'm I'm just saying, I think there's a great deal of resilience to such influences. Swan, just my personal opinion. Go ahead. No, that, that's good, Alex. That's what I want to hear. You know that. Uh, you know that is aware. We've seen what Treasure's done. We're ready for these things. We have our things signed. We have there our. Is, you know the, levels the, of the, the chance that Treasure influences Swan's direction in terms of doing shit coins is zero point zero 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 ad infinitum. You'd have to kill Corey Clipston, Brady Swenson, and Yon, and and most of the team. And somehow take it over in order for that to happen. It's never going to happen. Tomer, please weigh in here. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I, I think, I, like, and it's understand. I wasn't sure because I came in late, but I, it sounded like the insinuation was, oh, be careful of partnering with companies that deal with other coins because that might take you in that direction. I, I can tell you the first conversation I ever had with Corey about joining the company was as long as you don't, as the company doesn't shitcoin, I will, I will work there. And he said, you don't have to worry about that. Like it's, this is a company of, of Bitcoiners and there may be execution. Bitcoin split up and you didn't see half of them go into a shitcoin casino that no one talks about. So yes, when I get worried, like you guys see even some of the best I've seen what's happened to them over the years. And that's just where my concern comes from. And both Actually, Bitcoin Lola, you're not, you, in it. that's not right. Guys like Tomer have been around long enough to see it all. So we have people on the t- team that that have seen all this stuff. So, I mean, it's something we discuss all the time. It's part of the I culture. Have seen, like you weren't there. You weren't part of Bull Bitcoin. You weren't in the offices when that happened. You didn't house them in your office in the 20th floor of the Ford building. I saw some. Sorry, I'm done. That's it. I'm done. Okay, maybe everyone, maybe everyone you're right, but I think I think it's it's important not to conflate that with with swan that doesn't mean that that's you know swan's subject to that 
I get, I get where you're coming from. I can tell yeah. it's bothering you. It was merely a bother. It had nothing to do with you guys. It was treasure that bothered, bothered me this morning. Sorry, Alex. We're, we keep dragging it in the wrong side. No, that's no need to apologize, man. I want people to know that on, on this show, like our job is not to censor discussion, right? Like if, if I like, I want to be clear about that. Cause some people feel like I censor discussion. If I shut down certain avenues, this discussion, it's, it's only because I think it's going to waste people's time and I don't think it's productive. Right. If we're actually trying to find the truth of something, like it's, it's an important thing for people to discuss. I'm all about that. So, so it's this, okay. This is good. I, I like that you guys, I just want to know about, yeah, the aware you have that people are realize what treasure can do and the different things on it. And as it comes into places, um, that's just my worry. I kind of avoid it. Um, like the plague that, that, that device and those people. And so, yeah, it was just a concern that I saw other people talking about. So it's not just me when I'm talking about this, it was not just me. There were a lot of other people that were looking at it and digging in deep and more info will come on some of your partners as they do their sleuth work. So it was just a wake up, snowy morning, nobody can leave, day off. And you're like, all right, um, yeah, what's going on? And so as I was reading that, I decided after your thing to jump in and just see what your guys' feelings on Trezor were. Uh, my personal feelings is I think they're great. Just my personal opinion. And I, I mean, I, I know you clearly don't like them and that's okay. That's, you know, that's kind of what makes a market. It's all right. Like cold card in terms of <laughs> what's that. And if you ask Rudolfo, he's had his, he has a personal in, in thing with them. I, I get it. We all have our, our preferences in this. Well, and yeah. understand Trezor is not necessarily even a preference for me. Like I have cold, I have cold cards, plural, right? The thing is, is that like not everybody is the same. And I recognize that like people come to Bitcoin from different places and different levels of understanding and different technical abilities, right? So there's tons of people who I recommend Trezor as a first go round. I, 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 okay. I'll give you an example. Okay. I had a guy come to me, actually two guys. These guys are partners in their business and these are extremely wealthy dudes. They run a very large business in Canada. And believe it or not, they're gold bugs. They're sitting on <laughs> huge stacks of gold. Um, and they're just now coming to Bitcoin because they're starting to see that maybe they should have some Bitcoin, right? And so we went through the whole thing, like which hardware wallet slash signing devices should we use? What did I recommend first? Cold card. I told them, top of the stack, best security, less attack vectors. It's probably the best one. And then the guy started looking at cold card. He ordered all the parts, you know, there's all, you know, you got like, you know, a dozen different things that you can order to make it all work. And then you have to figure out, you know, the interfaces and the, you know, do I hook this up with Sparrow or do I use, Spar I mean, there's the stuff, right? And then he goes, he goes, how the hell do I use this? And I said, okay, we'll go to BTC sessions and on YouTube, watch some tutorials. And he comes back after looking at the first one for a couple of minutes. I don't have time for this. He goes, is there something simpler I can do? I said, yeah, sure. Try a treasure. And so that's just an example, man. You, you need to, I, I understand where you're coming from. I get it. But you need to meet people where they're at. There's a lot of people on this planet and not everybody's going to be able to do the cold card specter sparrow thing pointing it at their own node, et cetera. That's really, in my opinion, 
been one of the things that's really held up adoption of Bitcoin is the user experience. It's too fucking hard for a lot of people. It may not be hard for you, right? But there are a lot of people on this planet that it's just, they don't, they're not going to take the time necessarily immediately. Like I guided him. I said, look, okay, start with a Trezor, learn how it works, you know, take custody of some Bitcoin, learn how to send and receive Bitcoin. And then as you go, study cold card and move to that when you can. So, yeah, I mean, there's a pathway. It's like not everybody gets it immediately. And you got to remember, people are not as technically savvy as you sometimes. Go ahead, Peter. You had your hand up. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say that we we, we kind of talked about that while you were off there in the matrix, wherever you were going, and just getting oh the God. getting getting the, the the sats off the exchange is the most important step. And and after that, you can continue to go down through that rabbit hole as you find appropriate for your own circumstance. Yeah, I would also argue with you, Alex, that I don't think considering considering my anecdotal um, journey. I, I don't think that the that the technology is the biggest issue. It's actually this. It's the it's the self sovereignty. It's it's the responsibility and the as I said, the forty years in my case of the uh, the the fiat virus that has infected my brain. Um, it's it's hard for me to get. It's still hard for me to get rid of that. Uh, but as I also said. Once you, it's freeing. Once you have no more third-party risk, it is actually, I feel much better about my my wealth in Bitcoin than I do about any of the other wealth that I hold. Because with the third-party risk, it can be taken away, it can be frozen at any time for something that I didn't even do. Yeah, you're right. A lot of it, for a lot of people, is just fear, right? They're scared. Like, I think a lot of people, before they do their very first Bitcoin transaction, it's a scary thing to them. Only because they don't understand they've never done it before. And if you do a bunch of them, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's easy. It'd be interesting in the U.S. if they, I don't want this to happen, but you know what Trudeau did to us with the truckers? We saw this massive intake up in Bitcoin the next couple of weeks across every exchange. There was almost a run on the banks they didn't talk about when they slammed on the brake for the truckers' accounts. All these rich people were going in and literally taking you know, $100,000 out, a million dollars type things out. And the Bank of Canada had to do an emergency kind of backdoors meeting. It did drive adoption, though, massively in this sector. And if anything like that ever happened in the U.S., probably couldn't because you guys have way better, hopefully way better laws down there. I wonder how oh, far that would... Could. That, that, it, it could. could. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past. How far that would drive adoption? If you had one incident like that, would that be the motivation people need to learn it? Well, think of it like this, like, go ahead, Tom. Like it's, it's never going to be just one thing, right? It's this, this whole thing is chipping away. It's different things for different people at different times. An event like what you're describing, if, if for some reason, some significant portion of Americans were to suddenly have their bank accounts frozen by the U S government for something that it, like a peaceful demonstration, I think that would be a big event. But don't don't think that it would be the final event, right? Like you saw what happened in Canada. There was there was concern. A lot of people moved money out of Canada, but not not in money flowed into Bitcoin. 
but it was reasonably short-lived and it left a lasting impression. And the next thing might push some more people over the edge. And the next thing after that might push some others over the edge. So this whole thing is, it is a gradual process. And I think what everyone's been saying here is there are different fears. That's, there's also not one thing that stands in everybody's way. For some people, it's the fear of the technology. For some people, it's the fear of the responsibility. For some people, it's fear of other things that they've read in the press, that the government will shut it down, that it might get hacked. You know, There's all these different fears that one has to overcome to get the courage to do the thing. Uh, and it, and it's, a, it's an individual and personal journey for every single person. So um, it's not going to happen all at once. Just like, the, just like the internet or just like any technology, it happens gradually. You have, you have early adopters who are more technically inclined, and in this case also more Austrian economics inclined or just fundamental economics inclined, more autonomy inclined. And everybody eventually comes around when they see that it's safe, that it works, and that it gives something of value that nothing else can give. And I, I think that's that's the path that we're on. I don't know exactly how fast uh, we'll get there, but it, it won't be just one thing, I guess was my point. When when people have, when anyone has a, a need or necessity for one or many of the properties of Bitcoin, they will purchase BTC. It'd be interesting to think about as a as a thought experiment if Bitcoin had been in its infancy uh, in the early 30s when Roosevelt confiscated the gold. It would have been interesting to see. It would be interesting to think about what would have happened um, if an event now like that happened. You know, happened. What would what would happen? Well, it is happening now. I mean, we have real time examples. What is one of the most oppressive? currency regimes in the world. Nigeria. What country has the the greatest rate of Bitcoin adoption in the world? Nigeria. Is that is that an accident? I don't think so. Not at all. It's also people that understand cell phone time as being precious understand this. It was in peso way back and it started with, you know, no money going around, people needed eggs, communication is vital to their families which are huge and life and everything. So they started trading cell phone time uh, for products. And anywhere you see the Impeso path has gone over the last 20 years, Bitcoin is finding a natural path already tread through the people, the environment, um, the, the quick uptake. And, and Nigeria is one of the, the largest on that with, you know, places with, I think, you know, Argentina, if we didn't control it so much, um, would be a very massive fertile ground as well. All right, I think we've we've explored that topic pretty good. No, anything else? We've got Dr. Jeff up here, and while we've got him, because I know he he typically has been bouncing in and bouncing out a lot lately. Good morning, Dr. Jeff. I'd love to hear a, an update from you on what you think is going on. Hey, morning, Alex. Yeah, just lots of stuff going on around here. Um, yeah, quick macro, um, just because I think it's pertinent. Two two big pieces of info came in so far today, and obviously the uh, FOMC meeting is later today uh, with the rate hike and Powell's speech, which will be important to listen to, um, or at least to you know grab some clues from. But anyways, the two the two important things that have come in already. One is that the October payrolls from ADP were released, and jobs job growth is uh, stronger than expected. So. You know, the um, uh, Powell is focused very heavily on the unemployment rate, which is historically low, and it will remain historically low. So that means the economy is stronger. The stronger the economy, the more the Fed can remain hawkish for longer. The more the Fed remains hawkish for longer, the worse it is for risk assets. So that's point number one. 
point number two is the the treasury spoke today. Uh, I was I actually watched it. It was super boring, but it's pretty short, thankfully. Um, the quote that I took from that that's important. They said we have not made any decisions on whether or how to implement a buyback program, but will provide ample notice to the public on any decisions. Why is that important? Because people have been talking about the Treasury possibly doing like a stealth QE where they would buy back Treasuries. Yellen has talked about that. They're just sort of discussing it, but nothing like that is at all uh, happening uh, imminently. So that's sort of strike two for risk assets. So two two strikes against uh, any hopium for uh, stocks to go higher in the near future. The economy still looks terrible. You know, we still could see hope possibly if, if, if uh, when Powell talks today, if he leans dovish. Um, I think that could uh, instigate a nice rally in risk assets. I really don't think he's going to. There's nothing that, that, at all uh, from the data I'm looking at that points to him leaning dovish. I think he's going to remain very hawkish. I think risk assets are not going to like it. And I think it's possible it pulls Bitcoin down, although Bitcoin may just continue to crab sideways forever. Um, so a uh, lot, lot, of, lot of pain to come still. We still haven't even seen the worst of it. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Happy to share my happiness with everybody once again. Your pain hey. is our gain. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I, this is this is not in, intended to be personal, personal or <laughs> or anything. But it's like, why do we call studying what Jerome Powell says macroeconomics? Like, it isn't it shouldn't macroeconomics be the study of what's actually fundamentally happening in the That's economy? And even question. in your even in your uh, even in your announcement, you're like you said objectively the economy looks terrible and then at the same time you said the numbers that jerome powell is making his decisions off of are that employment is high so everything's fine so he can continue to wreck the economy by increasing interest rates and and tightening the the money supply it's like i feel like there's two different things here there there actually is some discipline called macroeconomics but it's so distorted by whatever jerome powell and his cronies do that it gets mixed into that and obviously you're trying to comment on what the price of things will do so that's important but i just feels to me like there's there there's federal reserve x macroeconomics and microeconomics and, and these are these are different things because because they are I mean, I'm just curious to get your response to that. Sure, sure. So the Fed, it, it, those are great comments, Somer. So the Fed is commenting on the, uh, macroeconomic indicators. The problem is they're looking at uh, the laggingest of lagging indicators, right? CPI and unemployment are the laggingest indicators in an economy. They, they trail the economy by months and even quarters and even a year or more. Um, but for those of us who look at what's going on in real time, we're clearly headed into a recession. When you look at what the yield curve is doing, when you look at what um, PMI is doing, manufacturing, uh, those kind of sectors, everything is clearly headed into a recession. But there, right. so so that's the weakness. That's what I say. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But, but this is what, this is why. Like I, I kind of want to j- just jump in again and con- contrast it. Like Jerome Powell and the central bank have more responsibility than than you do they've been given more responsibility they should be at least as smart as you and and you're saying and believe me i I trust you more than i trust them but you're saying they're ignoring important relevant data in their decision making or they appear to be at least given what they say their goals their goals are and so in looking at the state of the art information and all the information available they should be saying, oh, we're about to bring about a recession. And yet they're not saying that and they're not and they're not doing that, which, again, 
it shows to me that they have a different philosophy of economics than than you do, right? They they look at lagging indicators and don't look at leading indicators, as an example. A- absolutely, Tomer. They absolutely have a different philosophy, and I would say more importantly, they have a different agenda, right? My agenda when I look at macro and when I come up here and blather on about it is I'm looking at what are the investment implications? How do I manage risk for my clients? How do I help people on Twitter, my fellow plebs, you know, think about uh, risk management as far as, you know, stocks, bonds, uh, even Bitcoin, um, currencies, all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> that is clearly not the point or, the, uh, or on the agenda for Jerome Powell and the powers that be. They're, they're clearly doing something else uh, with this and with their policies. And what that is, I'm not going to venture to guess. Uh, have some conspiracy theories, um, but it's not to uh, you know it's not to make us the plebs wealthier. It's it's to do uh, it's to accomplish their own uh, goals and agenda for sure. Yeah, thanks for that, Jeff. And I hope I hope my questions didn't come across as accusatory or insinuating anything about yourself. No, nah, it's all good. He's used to it. Hey, Jeff. <laughs> I don't know anybody who catches more heat than Dr. Jeff. Jeff massively shorting uh, QQQ, so uh, I appreciate all the doomsaying. <laughs> hey, I'm doing my best to drive it into the ground. Like I said, I still think Nasdaq goes below eight thousand before this is over, and probably lower than that. But that's just my guess. Not individual investment advice, anybody. Just my guess. I'm guessing. I'm probably wrong. Do the opposite of what I do. I do wonder, you know. Where is this recession that we've been hearing about, though? Because, you know, I go out sometimes on the weekends or even the evenings and the restaurants are full. The streets are packed with people walking around here in Boston, at least. I mean, it seems like nobody's being affected. At least that's out and about. And there's a lot of fucking people out and about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) Excuse me. Got this cough that just doesn't go away. Two things. One is I think the the, re- the recession, the, the the real recession is still ahead of us. We had a technical recession back in Q1 and Q2 with two uh, consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. But the real recession is coming. I think it's first half of 2023 when we'll feel it. I also think point two is I think the recession actually may be kind of mild. It may actually be a soft landing for our economy. I do think, however, that risk assets are going to get skewered. Uh, it's kind of what happened from 2000 to 2002. Risk assets, especially tech stocks, got just absolutely demolished over that two-year period. And the U.S. economy actually wasn't that bad. Um, and so that's kind of how I'm viewing this one. It's possible we have kind of a soft landing for the economy, but not so for risk assets. You know, Wicked, you say that it seems like nobody's being affected. Like, I've heard this kind of comments, you know, like I've got a buddy who was traveling and he was DMing me. He's like, the airport's full. There's people freaking everywhere. People are traveling all over the place and stuff like that. And it's like, I get what you're seeing, but I think it's important to remember that inflation is the most insidious and dangerous, destructive force to society in general. Like, you may not be seeing it, but the numbers of people who are going homeless, not just in the United States, but around the world, are skyrocketing right now. So on the bottom part of the socioeconomic ladder, people are, in fact, falling off. And you are seeing people who don't have as much discretionary income at the end of the month changing their habits. How do I know that? Because I see how much Bitcoin they're buying on DCA. So there are portions of the... I'm serious. There are portions of the, of the public that are being affected. By this. And it's super important that just because we don't see it in our social circles doesn't mean it's not happening. 
And if these knuckleheads get their way, they're going to make it worse. This ain't over yet. And that's the part that bothers me. I mean, the other thing, though, is that the people you're talking about, you know, aren't the biggest buyers of Bitcoin. So, I mean, to think that they will affect, like, their behaviors having to struggle more is going to affect Actually, the no. sale of Bitcoin. That's not true. That's not true. It affects it affects on the margin. Like, it's, okay, it's not changing the entire makeup of, of like, Swan's profit and revenue. But we do see the data, dude. Like, you assume that it's not affecting, you know, like, because you... We we all look at the world from our own perspective based upon who we know and who we hang around with and our income levels and all that other kind of stuff. I'm telling you, there are segments of the population that are being affected by this. Yeah, I mean, most of the people I hang out with are, you know, like probably lower socioeconomic status, but like they don't have Bitcoin, you know, like they have cash, <laughs> like that's what I'm trying to tell. I mean, most you know most people in that in that part of the you know, society don't have Bitcoin because they can't afford to have Bitcoin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, in their mind, they can't afford it. Right. I mean, that's, I'm, believe me, I'm trying to tell them they should save as much as they can without, you know, causing more stress. But like, yeah, I mean, we're all, you know, you know what I'm saying? We're all on the same page. The vast majority of the bottom quartiles have no savings, have no investments, period. Um, so that's just the reality of economics. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, Thanksgiving is coming up, guys. I saw a really funny tweet the other day. They're like, hey, Thanksgiving's coming up. Prepare your Bitcoin speech. It must be at least two hours long. <laughs> There's a huge amount of people that live paycheck to paycheck, right? Like they don't they don't have excess savings. They're in debt. Their 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 ability to spend more is contingent on their ability to incur more debt. It's that simple. I, you know what, I I disagree with that, Joe. And the reason well, the I say I'm, you're there because is, the data shows vast majority of people in the country live. Paycheck. That's the that's the data. But what you're saying is that's the reason, right? And I'm what. Let me let me finish. What I was going to say is my personal belief is that in order to create savings, that's a that's a disciplinary thing in the heart of the human involved. It's not a function of, you know. Sure, there are limitations on what you can do with based upon how much money you you earn and you have to you have to buy food and you have to do all this other kind of stuff. But I mean, I can relate to some people who have been pretty much dirt poor because I was there at one point in my life. And I will tell you that creating that gap between what you're bringing in and what you're spending is an act of discipline. And that creates a habit, which is part of the, you know, it's the only, in my view, it's the only way some of these folks can get out of their situations. So I don't want to just sit here and say, oh, well, the data is telling us this. You all suck. Fuck you. You can never save. No, what I'm saying is you can save. You just have to do it. But doesn't that mean you guys are not contradicting each other? Alex, you say there's a way out while Joe is saying that. Um, and Joe, I actually believe it's like 50% uh, of the American population have less than $100 to their name. And I think if you go out to... 70% they have less than $10,000 uh, in savings, which is mind-blowing, two-thirds. No. But yeah, Alex, you're saying they can get out. 
And I agree. Get Bitcoin. Joe, what do you? It's what, both. You no, no, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, that's the thing. So here's a crazy stat for you. If you take into account mortgage debt, real estate debt, upwards of 80% of the U.S. population has a negative net worth. 80% has a negative net worth. So you can say, oh, yeah, you're saving a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or you're eating beans instead of meat. You know, OK, great. That's your discipline there. But in reality, you're over leveraged on your debt, your auto, your student, your consumer debt, your credit card debt. You, you, you can say, oh, I have some savings. In reality, you just have a negative net worth because of your mortgage debt. That's a crazy stat. Didn't know that. But if you're yeah, saving I mean, I mean, in think about in, in the room here, like you, you may say, oh, I have some savings in the bank. Do you have a mortgage? Is your mortgage fully paid off? Because if not, you're, you're over indebted. Yeah, but you have a house. That's the asset. So it offsets. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, but it's debt minus liabilities, right? Like you, right, you but to... assets minus liabilities. Excuse me, assets right. minus liabilities. So as long as, the fair, as long as you're not underwater on your house, then it doesn't matter necessarily that you have a mortgage. Which you're probably about to be, though. I think Robert Kiyosaki would disagree with you. It's not an asset, but yeah, right. So I was going to say that, Alex. Right. Yeah. Robert Kiyosaki said, "Of course, the house is an asset." It's not an asset if its value popped up, right? Because the the asset's value fluctuates just like anything else. So you, there's a, wait, say that again. There's a ton of people who have quote unquote a paper asset with their house, where if real estate values decline twenty, thirty percent, they're going to be underwater in their mortgage. Okay, that's with any asset, but that doesn't make it not an asset. Sure, it does because it's no, floating, it does. floating value. No, but, but you could say that about anything, then. No, because cash is not right. Cash is okay. Not. I, everything other than cash, if it goes down, that's not good. But if you have an asset that's effectively borrowed upon and propped up by lower rates and you know a very you know easy monetary policy, if you have that type okay, of. Okay, but you're throwing in all these conditions now. I'm saying if you buy a house. And you're not underwater. It's an asset. No, what I'm saying is He's, not all assets. You're saying the same thing. You're saying the same thing because Joe, you're saying if it goes underwater, it's not an asset. And Neil, you're saying if you're not underwater, it's not an asset. Exactly. You guys are in agreement. Yeah, but there, there are well, all assets are not created equal, right? We all know that. But no one's Bitcoin. So that's the thing. Okay, so in other words, but if you do sit in Bitcoin <laughs> and then you default on everything and they come and get everything from you, they can't fucking take your Bitcoin. No, they can just lock you up. Yeah, right. That that's common in the U.S. So, so what I was going to say is, what I was going to say is, if you're saving, here's the here's the hack, here's the life hack. If you're saving, not that that these guys are wrong, but maybe the only way out of that scenario is Bitcoin. Yeah, it's probably the easiest way um, because Bitcoin's the easiest thing to just save right and it's probably the safest thing to save um i was going to ask uh joe if you uh take out a loan and buy bitcoin with it but then it goes underwater does that make bitcoin not an asset in that case too well it's an asset but again it's secured against a, a debt right so you know your asset is only as, as as powerful as the debt you have backing it right so if you have if you have a floating debt where you put in a, a position that's you know, very precarious given the price of the Bitcoin price, I would say you're making yourself less robust, right? Like you're, you're actually making yourself fragile and you don't want to be in that position. You want to have real Bitcoin, right? You want to have Bitcoin that you own, that no one can take. That's not debt, you know, indebted to someone else because that's effectively what you're doing. You're, you're buying Bitcoin and, and you're indebted to someone else for that Bitcoin. Look, I agree with both you guys. And, and you know, when you're saying that, that, 
people should save in Bitcoin, yes. And when you're saying that, uh, you know, you can structure your your lifestyle and and make the hard changes to to actually become a saver instead of a spender. And you know, in a lot of cases, you can realize that, for example, you may you may be in a situation where you're in an apartment and you're like feeling like there's never any money. But if you actually look at what you're spending on and, and how you're you know what your uh, inflow and outflow is, and then you go, oh. Like, yeah, I actually have enough to be in a house, whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of different situations. It's proven, and I believe in that. But what do they do now, like in a situation where prices are going crazy and, you know, they're really turning the ratchets on everybody and income is capped to a point. Like you can only save like so much if you're not right. increasing your income. So well, you what increase are, your income, right? That's part of being both. Fiscally- Responsible, right? Alex is right on that. I mean, people that rather than sitting and wringing their hands, they can, you know, figure out other ways to, to earn income and try to offset. Do both at the same time. Yep. It was George Washington that said, I think it's George Washington. One of those founder guys um, said something along the lines of the fastest way to wealth is to increase your income. The other fastest way to wealth is to to decrease your expenditures. But the fastest, fastest way to wealth, and I'm paraphrasing, is to do both at the same time. Uh, and what Ant said is super important as well is that unless you monitor what you're spending money on, I mean, down to the dime, you don't really know. Like you you could have a habit of doing a Starbucks every single day and you don't even realize it, but it's, you know, or or cigarettes or maybe it's a, a, a six pack of beer at the end of the day. Like you you have these things that you do habitually and you, you don't, it, it may not even occur to you, but what if you were to take, hey, Wicked, here's a here's the thing to put a chart. <laughs> what if you took a six-pack of beer a day or or a Starbucks coffee a day and over five years' time, if instead of buying the six-pack of beer or the, or the Starbucks coffee, you had just bought sats instead? What would that be worth now? That would be an awesome video. Okay, so um, or, a six-pack – Hold on, or, hold on a second. A six pack, a six pack a day of beer, and I think you've got some other problems that you need to address. Um, but it's it's also like what I was saying earlier about this fiat virus. It it is a virus that you need to get out of your brain, um, and it's something that we have passed on that I've passed on generationally to my to my children, and it's just the way people think and what you guys are saying is all correct. And the way people think is they don't even think about what their credit card debt is. They don't think about any of that stuff because you know, what happened in, in, uh, in 2020, they all got bailed out. Everybody got a, got a handout. I mean, and that's, people are expecting that to happen again. Because it will, right? Cause we know it will, cause the system requires it to. Or <laughs> Jacob DM to me said you could you could always just do three beers and then some sets. <laughs> I mean that's the thing. Or, like, nobody's saying you can't have a have a beer or you can't have a cup of coffee or a Starbucks. It's not the idea, but like the point is, think about it. You know, like look at it. You know, like you're counting calories, but like count your money. Like where is it going? And and that's what that's what happens when you when you get into when you get into Bitcoin. That's the that's the change. That's when you start getting rid of that virus. That's when you start thinking about those things because your 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 framework on on money is different. 
Yeah. Well, it's funny, and you bring up that idea of counting calories. I mean, look at the problems we have with obesity in the country, right? It's there's a huge parallel there with the financial issues we have, and and with like exercise, right? You exercise more, you t- you tend to eat less. There's just data that shows that if you if you realize like oh, I'm trying to get in shape or trying to emphasize my health, people that do that tend to eat less. Um, same thing with finances, right? If you focus on how do I make more money, how do I save, how do I run a, a responsible, you know, a fiscal house, you tend to make better decisions on everything. The other option here, can can you hear me okay? Am I coming through? You're good, Nate. Go. Okay. The other option here is to spend money in order to save money. You can take eight days of buying coffee and turn it into a coffee machine. And then you're paying less than 25 cents per cup. And you're still getting what you need in the morning because coffee accelerated the, the advancement of human civilization overnight when it was uh, discovered. Like it, it's, it's, see, it's an essential thing. This is the Bitcoiner way of thinking. Sell your chairs, grow your own coffee, harvest your own beans, roast your own beans, like do, do all of it. Who knew Nate was a coffee maximalist? <laughs> oh, Alex, Good morning, just, Corey Clipson. How you doing? I'm good, guys. Just uh, checking in and uh, wanted to mention that in 15 minutes, I'm on that guy, uh, Michael Gayad's show, Lead Lag Live. I'm the guest today. It should be pretty fun. Uh, I'm not sure quite what the format is, but I think they're asking lots of questions. And I'm assuming that some of their panel will have a few misconceptions about Bitcoin and, uh, you know, a little bit of a crossover audience. So it should be pretty good. Corey, more than, a, more than a few misconceptions. This is going to be on Twitter Spaces, Corey? Yeah, it's in 15 minutes. All right. Sweet. Let's go. I teach think, these I folks think, because I think they're very confused personally. So I'll be the, uh, you know, the nice one with, uh, it only looks mean if you read the words on paper, that personality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Corey, why don't you put uh, a link to uh, Michael Gayad's uh, um, podcast up in the, up in the nest. I mean, I, my handle will be parked there. I, I don't know anything about his podcast. Does this turn into a podcast? I didn't know. Anyway, I'm driving, so if somebody else can grab that, please feel yeah, free. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. We got you. Man, I had this dream last night, and this is, this is real. I had a dream last night. It was very realistic, and I was just launching three pointers from all over the place with with hands in my face didn't matter could not miss all swishes we call those wet dreams there was a lot of there was a lot of splashing <laughs> the net the net was splashing so if that's what you mean yes in fact that is true so the scores were 1971 2009 22 22 that kind of thing that one went over my head those were the numbers you were interested in in Stack Chain that you missed. Oh yeah, dude, I, I definitely wanted uh, twenty-two. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 resting on my laurels for a little while, having stacked uh, the Party Block, Millennium Block, and Odyssey Block. I think those are three pretty good ones. Uh, I, I'm good for a little bit. Corey, who's the favorites to win the basket tournament? Are you uh, one of them? No, man, I'm I'm doing the Fat Joe lean back thing. I'm going to have a cigar and just be like, you know, team owner cheering on my swan squads. 
uh, I don't think it's probably a good look for me to like break an ankle and hobble around the conference, um, which is very likely because I get very competitive and I'll basically leave it all on the court if I'm playing. So I've been talked out of actually playing in the three-on-three. -three. I think we're doing a three-point contest, though. If we do that, I'll definitely do that. Um, but yeah, I I need to look at the bracket and see who's actually signed up. There, obviously, I know that we have a lot of good ballers on the Swan Squad, but uh, I know Big Sean is coming and he's got a couple folks with him. Um, I think it's going to be pretty fun. Is and that confirmed? Sorry. The big big Sean appearance. Or yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, because I, I, I oh, saw him the I, other I day. Recently. I thought I thought he was coming, but I don't know. Maybe he pulled out. I'm also psyched. The uh, the Compton Magic AAU team is going to be there on Friday morning. So you know, their their U14 team, their U16 team, and their under 18 team. This is like one of the top few uh, AAU teams in the country, including like multiple NBA lottery picks, and they're all coming to like learn about Bitcoin and and hang out. And, shoot some hoops on Friday morning, so that should be pretty fun. How do people sign up for that thing? For the three-on-three -three tournament? Yeah. Uh, I would just email Armani, A-R-M-A-N-I at swan.com, or hit up uh, the BTC Classic here on Twitter. Um, they're organizing it from the Swan side and from the tournament side. Nice, let's go. If you have a three-man team and you think you can hang, bring it. I mean, that's easy for me to say. I'm not playing. <laughs> Even if you don't think you can hang, you should probably enter. It'll be fun. <laughs> you guys get a roller hockey tournament going down there. I'm in. Oh. John's a hockey guy. Fossey mm. his son. We'll go. Maybe next year. All right, cool, cool. Well, we got about five minutes left. Does anybody want to uh, make some closing comments as we wrap things up here? Corey, is, what do you want to say about Pacific Bitcoin? Now, I mean, here's here's the this is the time. Corey's gone. Oh, uh, he bounced. All right. Wicked, go ahead. How about this for an idea? A, a conference up in Canada in the heart of the winter and then heat everything with Bitcoin miners. Just fucking blast the air through the... <laughs> That's cool. Just bring some hash huts in and blow all the hot air directly into the freaking into the thing. Ladies, ladies, that silicon perfume, it's what the new man desires. Men only think about one thing, it's disgusting. That's not true. I only think about stack chain. That is one thing. <laughs> but it's not disgusting. That's true. It's stacking sats. You guys laugh at me. You make fun of me. I get it. It's all good. But I am telling you, gamification of stacking sats is a real thing. And I am a perfect example of somebody who has stacked way more sats than they ever intended to because of being involved in that game. I play that game, you know, all by myself already. 
And I don't think I could stack any more than I already do since I don't have any fiat ever. Unless I take on debt, but we just heard about how bad that is. So I'm just going to keep on. It depends on, it depends on how you prosecute it. I mean, I'm not telling anybody what to do, but you know, you use the Weimar Republic as an example, the dude that, or I should say one of the dudes that came out of that situation as one of the wealthiest guys in the country afterwards was somebody who leveraged debt and he made a um, speculative attack on the nation's currency. I would suggest that buying Bitcoin is a similar concept. Yeah, you just want to yeah, make sure that you're that your debt's going to mature, you know, over a longer period of time so that you actually have some runway there. Yeah. Super tricky game. I'm not giving anybody advice. Don't, don't listen to me. Hey, to, to Joe's point earlier too, I think that it's, uh, you know, counting calories and we we're talking about just personal responsibility and Alex, your, your quote of one of the founding fathers, I think was, was spot on just increasing income and decreasing expenses. But even, and I think you had mentioned this before, Alex, just our discernment muscle as a, as a society, especially in the West is really atrophied. And, you know, I think that's no more apparent than here in the Bitcoin community. We see that. And it's what the people that are left in this bear market are people that believe in personal responsibility, accountability, personal discipline. And, we, you know, we're fighting that uphill battle right now because people just look at the price of Bitcoin, things like that. And we're saying, hey, come be accountable, basically come be responsible. And Tomer even mentioned it earlier that we everyone's going to come into it in their own way and unfortunately humans a lot of us learn by getting kicked in the ass so a lot more bad shit's going to happen you know in in many different ways in a, in a million different ways that will bring people to bitcoin but obviously we want the least amount of people to be hurt as possible so continue doing that but the the most the current event of the day right now is the twitter thing you know musk the blue check mark and boy oh boy people freaking out over a blue check mark and having to pay for that and not being able to check the twitter handle for two seconds to see if it's a real person just shows you the lack of responsibility and accountability and again to joe's point you know they're going to get bailed out people are going to get bailed out and that to you know summing it all up it is a speculative attack what we're doing buying bitcoin informing people educating people will get as many people on that life raft as possible and um and hopefully make it a smoother transition hell yeah brandon you should come up here more often man you're always dropping good stuff Perfect way to wrap up the show. We'll dig into that whole $8 for, for Twitter blue here. Not today. I mean, we could spend an hour on that. We don't have time. I'm just going to say I think it's great. <laughs> because 100%. I spend close to $30 a month on really crappy streaming services that has really bad content. And like, if it's going to, it, it, what you said, Brandon, is 100% correct. Like, you've got all these people that are like, I'm not going to pay, you know, $8 or $20 a month for that. You should pay me for being here. It's like, good God, who do you think you are? Think about the honeypot. Um, Magoo was talking about this last night in the space. So be careful what you wish for, because think about the honeypot. You are now a verified individual that they can tie your information to. And think about how valuable that is. Well, the, the alternate pathway, though, is, and I think you should still consider doing this, is allow a NIM to pay SATs for an orange check mark and stay private. Even, even that, worse. Because uh, think about the mapping that's going to become available because they're going to be able to tie your UTXO to your verified identity. Nah, pay over lightning. 
pay over. Yeah, there you go. Pay over lightning or, you know what? I mean, we're not going to get into the details. We don't have time, but dude, there's ways, right? If you're really serious about staying anonymous, there's ways. Right. Anyways. But most people, but most people aren't. That's the problem. It starts way before Bitcoin to being anonymous. It's how you approach the internet. It's how you approach everything. Yeah, I'm old. I'm so doxxed. It's all good. On we go. That's a wrap. You've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin, the place for your morning news, preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry. We do this every single day, Monday through Friday. We talk about Bitcoin live on Twitter spaces. If you can't catch the live show on Twitter, you can catch us on the podcast up on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple. If you boost us on Fountain, we will shout you out during the show. Thanks to Swan Bitcoin, the sponsor of the show. My crew, Aunt Shane, Sats for Life producer, Jacob. I feel like I should be saying my crew is a lot of other people because we got so many loyal people who are on here all the time. You know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm your host, Alex Stanzik. I work with Swan. If you want to know more about Swan Shoot Media, I'm happy to help you. Thanks again to the speakers. Appreciate what you do. I know sometimes it gets spicy in here. No hard feelings, no, like nothing mean meant. It's just about, it's all part of getting to the truth, you know, which I think all of us value. Appreciate all you guys taking your time to teach people about this bright orange future. And that's what we call getting on the mission. If you don't know what that means, hang out. You'll figure it out. Love all you guys. Everybody go out there and have a great day today. And crush it.